Carmen and Yurko today. Peg, you said you found some of the questions you used last year for the grab bag. You, you, I do. All right, let's hear them. I, I want to hear some of these. So maybe this we could do. Fun. We can try to assign them to other people here at the station. All right. Here you go. All right. Give your gift to someone who you think has taken food out of the garbage and ate it. Hmm. Food out of the garbage. George and Costanza. Ate it. Would you give it to Yurko? Uh, um, okay, yeah, we could give it to Yurko. Yeah, let's let's roll with Yurko for that first one. All right. What else do we have? Give your gift to someone who has someone else in the family make their lunch for them. I'm going to go with, oh, Tom Waddle. Really? Yes. Because I know, I, I'm almost positive that actually happens. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Give your gift to someone who is always looking down at their phone uh we've got a two-horse race there but i'll go with cap that's good give your gift to someone who still drives a minivan and doesn't have kids at home anymore i know waddle used to drive a minivan i don't know if he still does and he doesn't have kids at home anymore i think he and cap are the only ones that don't have kids at home anymore. yeah I mean, yurko probably uh yurko's kids i don't think are at home anymore um hmm i know that's a hard yeah one. that's that's a tough one okay that's okay give your gift to someone who you are quite sure did not wear pants during zoom meetings in the pandemic i'll go jonathan hood <laughs> little, little sleeper there, Jonathan Hood. <laughs> okay, um, give your gift to someone who does not know everyone's name in the room. So that kind of has to be like someone's girlfriend or someone like that. If that was me at work, it would be me because I do not know everyone's name and I keep calling everyone the wrong name. You know, I I kind of went. I, I could give that to myself uh, because. Well, maybe not anymore, but I remember. So I was hired a little before COVID hit. So I and we used to be on a completely other side of, of the sales people here at, at the station. And I would never see them except when they walked out the door. But there was always a big glass wall in between us. So I never interacted with them, really. And then they all went home, uh, works from home because of COVID. So I didn't see any of them. And then they came back like a year and a half later. And I knew none of them, even though we'd worked together technically for like two years. I may have gotten some emails from some of them, but I'd never known what their I could never put the face to a name for the longest right. time, even though I had technically worked for, with them for two years. All right. Now, here's one last one. Now, I like I, I have like 30 questions here. So. Mm -hmm. Who at the station give your gift to someone who is in a relationship but still goes on Tinder? Mm, still in a relationship but or in a relationship but still goes on Tinder. I'm trying to think of who's dating at the station right now. Um I know Jake Cantu is, but I don't think he'd be going on Tinder. He's way too nice of a yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, no way. I'll go with Charlie. I'll go with oh! Charlie right now. This is not true. He gave like the head roll of guilt. Like he knows it's true, but he doesn't want to admit it. It's, it's certainly not true, but I'm also like one of the only 
people like dating right now, like dating somebody. That's true. Okay. Yeah. What about At least Yurko? Of the producers. Yurko. Oh, it could be Yurk, but we already assigned him one. I feel like you can't give uh, you can't give out two gifts, right? No, no, no you two can superlatives. Keep, you can just you take the gift that he was already. Oh, given and you from put it back else, into the pile. Can... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so those are some of the little questions that we do for our grab bag. Game. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. I, I like that the, the randomness and then like uh, you may hurt some feelings along the way too. So. Um, that, that's a lot of fun there. Um, all right, Peg. So we were talking a little bit earlier, um, about the Washington commanders and, and, uh, they're obviously going up for sale with the tumultuous times with their owner, Daniel Snyder. And it was reported by Forbes the other day that, uh, Daniel Snyder has received bids well north of 7 billion for the franchise. Um, and that, to me, you look at some of the Forbes valuations for some of these teams, uh, they were valued earlier this year at $5.6 billion. But when you see that $7 billion moniker, it, it kind of makes me think with the Bears, right? It, when they eventually go up for sale, whenever that may be, um, I, I really wonder what that valuation would be. And if, if the Bears were to come out and the McCaskey family were to come out and say, we are putting the Bears up for sale... We could be looking at a number that's what eight or nine billion dollars for this Bears franchise, especially when you figure the Arlington Heights deal coming into place. Well, and I think I've thought about this a lot because the way they have it worked out right now, it would stay in the family. But there are two investors in Chicago, uh, Patrick Ryan. And why do I always forget the other one's name? It's another Irish name. Anyways, um, who I believe may have 51% ownership and they have right of first refusal. So with that being said, they are also in their 80s, um, like Virginia McCaskey being in her 90s. The question would be, Do they feel like they could raise the money to complete the project for Arlington Heights? Or would they agree to sell maybe the 51% shares or even half of that one, so 25.5%, to a new owner? And I I think we're seeing this new wave of, of millionaires are going to start getting involved more in owning Sports franchises, I mean, we forget about them and we sometimes we're looking too much at some of the more traditional owners, but there's a whole new wave of millionaires and billionaires that are coming into their own who are in their late 30s and early 40s. I think it's very interesting and I don't think it's out of the question for the McCaskies uh, to have something drawn up so that they can actually say sell part of their shares. Uh, to raise the money that they're going to. Yeah, I look at it too. And really, when you talk about ownership in the NFL, I I think of that as, like, it's not like in baseball. Everyone's pointing at Steve Cohen right now and being like, oh, look how much money he spends. He went out, he signed Correa and Verlander, and and he signed Lindor a couple of years ago. Like, you have to dig into your own pockets because there's no salary cap in baseball and there's the competitive balance tax that's coming out of your pockets in excess uh, of what's already being paid out and doled out from payroll and stuff like that. In the NFL, though, there's a hard cap, 
right? So it's not like, oh, the the McCaskey family could sell it to, and this isn't rumored or anything, just for uh, the sake of a name. They could sell it to Jeff Bezos, right? And it's not like, oh, he can just go out and spend all this money and get all these players in. No, there's a hard cap that the every single NFL team must abide by. So I think when you factor that in, the appetite for new ownership with the Bears, it's really one of the major things and projects that they're going to undertake is building out the stadium and what's going to transpire up in Arlington Heights when all that stuff is eventually squared away. Yeah, and if you think about it, you know, the the majority of the money that a team gets is from the TV contracts that the league has. So I believe each team has, oh, I used to have these notes down, but it was like a billion dollars each in which they were able to spend on salary. And the the Caskies are, it's a a self-sufficient team. It is run with the monies that they get from the NFL for the most part. And there is NFL rules that you have to spend that money on player salaries. So it's the extra money of the experience of the Bears players and the fans and everything that surrounds that, that I think Arlington Heights is going to bring them. I think that they absolutely, their value is going to be skyrocketing. Yes. At that point, because of that whole experience that going to Arlington Heights allows them to have, you know, not just a stadium for football, but a possible, you know, baseball stadium and hotel and restaurants. And I think casino, uh, I think, is the big one that everyone's thinking, too. And just it's going to be a giant entertainment district up there if they do this thing right. And even what we've seen from the early um, not blueprints, but like sketches of what, what the entertainment district could look like up there. There's a lot that you can do with that. And, and in turn, like, and if you get one of these mega billionaires that come in and end up buying the team at some point, I think that like a lot of Bears fans, I know myself, Sylvie's said it a number of times, having that retractable roof out at, in Arlington Heights would be awesome. Um, it seems like now the plan is the, the hard, the hard top. So you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to open it up when it's nice out. You're not gonna have like, you couldn't host the same level of maybe a, a summer concert series that you could get down at Soldier Field. Um, but that's what a, an owner with all of these billions of dollars could pump into if you were to have a Bezos type owner. Like he is not gonna shortchange a stadium. And what he's building up there, whereas what we've seen with the McCaskies, like maybe there are some corners that get cut along the way in making sure that's the right thing. But I think the one thing that you need to understand with these valuations is it's not really going to determine the amount of talent that you can field on your roster. That ultimately comes down to your football um, department and the the players that they draft and sign in free agency, because you can't go over that that hard salary cap. You know, the whole thing about a retractable roof, though, is I have heard repeatedly that it really is not cost effective. It might sound great in theory, but remember when we were in Dallas earlier this year, that was the first time in, I think, a year that the roof had been open. So they don't have the roof open as mm-hmm. as often. So I think that you are guaranteed 
better weather with a dome and you don't have to pay the extra billion dollars or whatever it's going to cost to add a retractable uh, element to it. So that doesn't bother me as much. I am more excited about the experience of the neighborhood and that area. But that's the thing, too, is it doesn't have to be cost effective for for Jeff Bezos necessarily. He just has to have to be able to to swallow the the cash that that comes through. And um, some of these owners probably aren't willing to do some of that. And it's also we're talking about Dallas, Texas, Arlington, Texas versus Chicago. Like they don't need to open the roof as much or, or play with the roof and the conditions down there as much as we would probably have to up here in Chicago. Okay, but don't forget, just because someone is a billionaire doesn't mean that they frivolously throw money away. That's true. That's the difference between billionaires and millionaires. Yes, actually, that's true. They're still smart with their money. And I do think that there might be an element. The NFL actually will extend a lease for new stadiums, and it's a um, some type of loan that they're able to take out. But they have to have a certain amount of money first up front. And I think if the Bears are unable to get that from the state, they will have you know, no other choice but to take on another minority owner that might be willing to invest in the team as well. Yep. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. If you want to jump on in on, on what you're what you want, especially with what we're about to see uh, take place tomorrow at Soldier Field. It, it's it's going to be cold out there, and I'm sure a lot of fans that are going to be at the game tomorrow would have loved to have a dome built for tomorrow's game. Um, and and maybe it's the the big reason why a number of people aren't going to tomorrow's game as well. Another thing I want to get to, Peg, you, you brought this up um, with us yesterday. A lot of mediocrity in the NFL. I think we saw some mediocrity last night in the Thursday night game as well. <laughs> but is that better than the dominance from just a few teams? We'll discuss that when we come back. Tyler Rocky, Peggy Kaczynski in for Carmen and Yurko. Listening to Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. Follow at Carmen DeFalco and at Yurko 64 on Twitter. Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. And Peggy Kaczynski in for Carmen and Yurko on this cold Friday, getting you to the weekend. I'm sure plenty of people have the day off today as one of those designated holidays since the, the Christmas holiday fallen on the weekend this year. 312-332-3776. We're talking about the Bears and the the stadium, as well as some ownership stuff with the reports that the commanders are receiving bids north of $7 billion dollars. For their franchise after being valued by Forbes at $5.6 billion just earlier this year. Troy uh, is in California. Troy, you're on Carmen and Yurko with Tyler and Peggy. What's going on? Hi, Tyler. Hi, Peggy. You guys are both freaking awesome. Love to hear both of you guys all the time. Thank you, Troy. Appreciate it. Yeah, I listen on the regular every single day out here from California. I was born and raised in Kankakee, Illinois, so not too far, you know, from you guys. But um, you guys are amazing. 
Anyways, about the new stadium, I feel that, like, they have to have a retractable, like, roof. I don't understand why they wouldn't do it. I mean, it puts money in the bank. You got concert series in the summer times. You got, you know, possible with the gambling casinos, like you said. I, I just don't understand why that nobody would want to do that. So that's all I had to say. Yeah, appreciate the call, Troy. And, yeah, I mean, I think the, the retractable roof is the the preferred thing because it's kind of you can have it all at that point. But, listen, if they if they model it after what, what they've got up in Minnesota with the, the hard top and, and kind of the, the sunroof coming through, I wouldn't mind that either. So, Peg, you were you were bringing up earlier about the some of the mediocrity that is all across the NFL right now. And last night we saw the Jacksonville Jaguars take on the New York Jets. And that is a game between two pretty mediocre teams. Um, as you can kind of see by the records now, both of them at seven and eight after the Jaguars beat the Jets last night. By the way, I mean, mediocre. I think Zach Wilson would love to be a mediocre quarterback within the confines of the NFL right now because, I mean, he was getting booed off the field. And the Jets fans were were really letting them have it last night. And, and honestly, I'm surprised that Robert Sala honestly didn't make the call earlier to to get Zach Wilson out of that game. But you look across the league, there's a few dominant teams right now. Like when you're looking at the amount of teams right now that can truly win a Super Bowl, it's funny because the Minnesota Vikings right now are an 11 win team in the NFL. They've got as many wins as the Bills and the Chiefs, but I don't think people are really taking them seriously as a, a team that can win the Super Bowl here. You're really looking at a group of three, maybe four teams right now that can truly win the Super Bowl. But you were brought up the point is that good for the NFL right now to have so much mediocrity and then just a few good teams that truly can win, win it all this year? Well, Tyler, look at the AFC East. You have the Bills with their 11 wins, and then Dolphins, Patriots, Jets. Eight wins, seven wins, seven wins. Then you go to the same thing in the AFC West. Chiefs with 11 wins. And then you have the Chargers, eight wins, Raiders, Broncos. Okay, they suck, but... uh, Then in the AFC North, Bengals, 10 wins. Ravens, Browns, Steelers. Not a lot that separates them. Nine wins and six wins. And the AFC South is the worst with the Titans leading with seven wins. Although the dominant teams are not like the dominant teams of the past, like the the Bradys and the Mannings and the Packers, I am telling you, I have enjoyed this year NFL season. The games have been very exciting to watch. You look at the Bears. They have three wins. They've only been blown out in one game. They have been in... 11 of their games with a chance to, to tie it or win it in the final six minutes. So I think it's great for the NFL. May not be great football to watch, but the mediocrity, I think, is actually good for the league. You know, it's interesting you say that because I, I think that, yes, it, it certainly gives you a, a fun sort of Anyone can win any single week, and that's always sort of been true in the NFL. But I think the other thing on top of that is you look at – and the NFL is one of those sports too where the best team 
doesn't always win the Super Bowl. Like you look at, at other sports, for the most part, the best team wins the World Series. For the most part, the best team will win the NBA Finals. There's really only two major sports within uh, um, American sports where you do get upsets. And that is the NFL because of the one-game nature. And then it's March Madness, too, because of the one-game nature of knockout tournaments. And I think that that sort of brings up the intrigue because even though there's a couple of dominant teams, we could still see a team catch a heater at the end of the year like, what happens if Jacksonville, who all of a sudden is playing fantastic football, what happens if they all of a sudden go on a little run? What if Jacksonville is this year's version of the Cincinnati Bengals that goes out, catches a heater in the playoffs, and, and makes a little noise? Wouldn't that be fun to see in, in the NFL playoffs this year? I think it's a lot like baseball, though. We have seen in baseball, it's the team that gets hot. And pitching. Quite often, mm-hmm. the team with the best record does not end up winning at all. So uh, I love it. I think, you know, I was just looking at the NFC standings as well. Um, Eagles 13 wins. Cowboys at 10 and 4. I don't think they're a dominant team. I think they've played some really good games, but they've had some crappers as well. Uh, The 49ers 10 and 4. Like that just kind of makes you go, really? They're, They're leading the NFC West, but that's a really bad division all of a sudden and then we of course here in chicago have the nfc north i think the vikings are the worst 11 win team in football so i think it's great i also think it means that the bears do not have as far to go as their record may indicate they may be a lot closer to winning and actually competing for a division title in the next two years. And they really could be a benefactor of, of the conference that they're in because let's say you swapped the Bears into the AFC North and let's say you swapped, I don't know, let's take Cleveland. Cleveland came in and swapped to the NFC North there. The Bears aren't anywhere close to competing in that division, even with the promise that they have right now, let alone the conference. When you look at the firepower at the quarterback position up and down throughout the conference, I mean, you're looking at Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and, and now you're, you're throwing uh, Tua Tungavailoa in that mix. Josh Allen, I, I forgot to mention there as well. And Trevor Lawrence is looking like one of the most promising young stars that this league has to offer right now. There is a lot, a lot of firepower in that AFC. Whereas you look at the NFC, I talked about this the other day. The prevailing thought that I had at the end of Bears-Eagles when you saw Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts meet up at midfield after and do their handshake exchange of pleasantries, that could be the next great rivalry between quarterbacks in the NFC just because of how depleted the conference is from a quarterback standpoint. Right. And what's interesting is the exact same argument is being used as to why Roquan Smith is now a pro bowler when he moves over to the AFC mm-hmm. because the NFC is stacked with so many good linebackers defensively that he needed to move over to the AFC in order to become a pro bowler. I think you're starting to see those, well, starting, there's some incredible offensive weapons in the NFC now. I think it's definitely pointing up. You could say that the league overall right now is not as good as it was 10 years ago. 
But I think in the next three to five years, it'll be right back to where it was. There's so much good talent on both sides of the ball. I think that it's exciting. Yeah, and you look at it, I mean, the the pretty much the health of the league is contingent on quarterback play. And you look at all these young rising stars at the quarterback position. We've got one in our city, which is fantastic to see. But even as we are ushering out the era of Brady and Rodgers and Stafford on the way out, even Russell Wilson on the way out too, even as we usher those guys out, the uprising of stars within the the NFL right now at the quarterback position with Justin Fields, with Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, uh, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Tua, Trevor Lawrence, like the list goes on and on and on where as long as those guys are a part of this league, I think you're going to continue to see great parity. It's not going to be like the the times of Brady where it was all right. It was the, the Patriot Invitational, it felt like, every single year. Well, one reason why the NFL has dipped is because the amount of money that they are paying guys in the first round they have to play right away. So they don't have the luxury of sitting behind a Brett Favre right. and learning. They're getting thrown into there much quicker, and you're going to see the level of play dip. But the payoff, like you say, Tyler, is probably going to be just as good, if not better. And you bring up the the not sitting behind people. When we get to the stage of, all right, that guy's sitting out behind someone, we ask, What's wrong with him or what's wrong with the organization at that point? Like we ask, what's wrong with the Packers? Why would you go out and draft Jordan Love in the first round when you've got an MVP caliber quarterback on your team? What's wrong with Trey Lance? Why, why is he not playing and he's only got uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in front of him? Why can't he pass that up? That to me has always been a, a fascinating thing and certainly a, a changing part of the culture right now. All right. When we come back, Peggy's got her keys to a Bears victory. No Yurko today, but we've got Peggy's keys to a Bears victory. Tyler Aki, Peggy Kaczynski in for Carmen and Yurko here on ESPN 1000. See what Carmen and Yurko are talking about on Twitch. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago today. This is Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Every week here on Carmen and Yurko, we usually give you... Yurko's keys to a Bears victory, but no Carmen and Yurko today. Tyler Rocky and Peggy Kaczynski in for the guys. Um, instead, you will be getting Peggy Kaczynski's keys to a Bears victory. Okay. So first, I would say that the Bills definitely have the edge. No duh. Not only nine and a half point favorite when it opened but they had played in more of these cold weather, wintry, blustery games than the young Bears players have. With that being said, run, run, Rudolph. I mean, you have got to just keep testing that Bills defense. Yes, I know they are sixth best in stopping the run, but they were third best last week. And they dropped three, so you can run on them, and I think the Bears need to do it. They need to spread the wealth. That's right. Not just Justin Field, 
but David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert is going to be active for the first time in four weeks. Spread the wealth so that the defense cannot just zero in on Justin Fields. There's a reason why the rushing numbers went down the last few weeks. Herbert was injured, so too was Justin Fields, and they weren't able to spread the wealth. It became very obvious what they were going to do, so spread the wealth. Stay healthy on the offensive line. Goodness me. I don't know what's going to happen if any more of these offensive linemen go down. They need to stay healthy. They do not need to throw the ball often. They need these guys to do what they do best, and that is run block. So stay healthy on the offensive line. Tackle, tackle, tackle. Wrap these bills up. Whether it's Josh Allen or Stefan Diggs or Gabe Davis, whoever has their hands on the ball, you cannot miss tackles, not tomorrow in these conditions. And finally, in a nod to the great George Hallis, turn off the heat on the Bills' sideline and in their locker room. (laughs) And just like Hallis would do at Wrigley Field, make them feel it worse than the Bears. Those are my keys to the game. All right. Turn off the heat. Wow. The ultimate home field advantage there. Well, that's what George Hallis would do at Wrigley Field. He would make sure that there was no hot water in the showers and no electric working on the sidelines for any kind of heaters. So I agree. Seems like a Make municipal it violation. Seriously, work. Yeah, like you see the the um when you're driving down the the highway, like oh landlord, you see the billboards, like landlords must keep the the heat at what like is it sixty six to sixty eight? I think. yes, in that range degrees at all times, or otherwise you've got a a, a violation. I think the the Buffalo Bills could file a grievance with the NFL. They got to call three one one. Yeah. Fine, they can take it up with the Chicago Park District, not the Chicago Bears. <laughs> and, and you will, yeah, and, and you'll get a response back in what, uh, maybe a month or two, <laughs> is when you'll start to 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 get the the grievance filed. But yeah, no, that that that's some extreme stuff there, um, and, and I would not wish that upon any of my my own enemies to to what have to do, do you that. Think for keys to the game, what do you think is going to be key for the Bears? Well, tomorrow they can keep it close because once again the elements are going to help them out right and it, it kind of reminds me of the opening day game too against the Niners where all right the elements came in and kind of leveled the playing field even though the talent on one side of of the ball was is far more uh significant than what it was on the Bears side and, and I think that when you have these conditions especially with Josh Allen right and even though he's a fantastic running quarterback but the Bears are not going to be able to neutralize Josh Allen's arm in in perfect weather conditions or even slightly imperfect weather conditions. But when the wind's going to be howling in the 30-mile-per-hour range and you're going to be able – like Mother Nature is going to be able to contain Josh Allen's arm in this game, but it's going to be can you stop him on the ground. You brought up um, Khalil Herbert's return this week too. I'm intrigued to see how much the Bears use him this week coming off of an injury it's not ideal conditions to ease someone back into action um 
But we saw when Khalil Herbert was part of that three run three running back attack. When you include Justin Fields, the the three ball carrier attack that they could put together, you saw some really really strong rushing performances out of this team. I mean, all three of those guys are a threat to go for a hundred yards. Absolutely, and that's why you're not going to see the Bills' pass rush. I think as much as you might in a regular game against a pocket passer. They cannot afford to send any guys and leave the the defensive backfield open because they have three different guys that could be rushing the ball. I hope that they go back to using that. Hopefully, if Justin Fields is healthy enough and Khalil Herbert is healthy enough, uh, that opens it up for those deep balls that Justin Fields actually, he has one of the highest percentages in the NFL for deep ball completion. So he takes the fewest, but he probably completes the most. Yeah, and that that's the thing. We're not going to see Justin Fields air it out in this game necessarily. Um, and I don't want to see it because then you're going to get a skewed perception of what Justin is as a passer in this game. And no one is, no, not even Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen are going to be set up for success in this one. And I know some teams like to use the, the screen game as an extension of the running game too. You may see that out of the Bills. I don't know if we'd see that as much out of the, the Bears in this, uh, in this game just because they don't have the, the same level of yards after catch guys that the Bills have too. The Bears actually have the fewest yards after catch of any team in the entire league. And I think that's part of why we haven't seen Justin Fields have some of these gaudy passing numbers because you need to have receivers that can make plays for you in the open field when you, you have that. Otherwise, it's just Justin Field point A to point B. A lot of the passing game that you see in the modern NFL is point A to point B and then point B to point C, and that's the yards after catch. You look at across the league. This Bills team is a great example of guys that can have fantastic yards after catch efforts with Stefan Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie. The Dolphins are littered with them. The Chiefs use so much of the yards after catch. They've got the most yards after catch of anyone in the entire league right now. They've got those guys, and the Bears don't have those right now. Well, you know what's interesting is that Bills players, I heard them talking this week, about knowing that safe, their safeties are very vulnerable to the screens, especially bubble screens, mm-hmm. and they are expecting Justin Fields to do that. So it'll be interesting to see how much they are able to go downfield. You know, Josh Allen can go downfield because right. the guy played at Wyoming. He's got a strong arm. He can, the elements, he, he can throw hard enough that the elements are not going to affect him as much. Yeah, it's true. The one thing I'll say about the the bubble screens too, and I'm sure it may be part of the uh, the game plan, but the one throw Justin Fields has really struggled with this year is the screen pass. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we seen it a, a little off target? It leads a receiver behind the line of scrimmage as opposed to maybe catching it in a, a little bit of momentum moving forward, or he he spikes one, all that stuff like. We haven't seen him master the screen pass. And I get that's a small gripe right now with the the Bears and their passing attack. But it's something that does matter because we do see the screen be a prevalent part of the modern day offense. The only time you really see him is when he's trying to do that Patrick Mahomes screen pass when he rolls out and Mm -hmm. he's a little bit on the run. A little sidearm action. Yeah, that little sidearm. You know, it's like that second baseman throw. He's been working on that, 
but those might be the the best passes to attempt tomorrow in the wind. It'll be interesting to see who figures out the elements quickest and how much uh, they're able to adapt. Absolutely. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap things up here, and then we will cross-talk with Jeff Meller and Tom Waddle coming up at 2. They've got Waddle and Sylvie today from 2 to 6. Tyler Aki, Peggy Kaczynski, we're in for Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. Listening to Carmen and Yurko on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Don't miss a minute of Carmen and Yurko. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Talk with Tom Waddle and Jeff Meller coming up in just a little bit here at 2 o'clock. Tyler Aki and Peggy Kaczynski in for Carmen Yurko today. They've got the day off with the holidays on the horizon here. 312-332-3776. If you want to jump on in, we've been talking bears. We've been talking what's going to happen at, on uh, tomorrow. It's so weird with these the Saturday games. It's kind of throwing off my, my schedule here, Peg, but... Um, I know I'm sure you're going to see a lot of people complaining tomorrow about some of their their fantasy lineups and people didn't set their lineups because they forgot there were Saturday games tomorrow that I'm sure is going to be fun to deal with. Um, but the the Bears and the Bills taking place tomorrow on the lakefront and it's going to be a cold one. But what do you want to see now out of this Bears team? You got three games left here. You got this one. I think. This week is more of a throwaway. I wish the conditions were more ideal to see Justin Fields air it out. But what do you want to see in particular, Peggy, out of this Bears team? Or maybe even some individuals that you want to give some are spotlighting for the rest of this season. But what do you want to see for the final three games? Tyler, I think to quote Coach Flus. To be honest with you, it's not a throwaway week because every year they're going to have games in inclement weather. So this is another example of can they work with the elements? It's going to happen. You know, he's all about being able to replicate game situations. So here you go. This whole game is going to be an opportunity for each position on this team to be able to show that they can acclimate to the weather. So I do think it's a, it's going to be a good test for them, um, regardless of the outcome. I do think that you want to continue to see some growth in Justin Fields. There will be opportunities for him. And so let's continue to watch that. David Montgomery, you know, all year round, I was saying I didn't think that they would re-sign him. But boy, you listened to the coaches this past week, and they were singing his praises, how much they love him, how much of a grinder he is. Uh, his pass pro is great. I think that this is another opportunity for David Montgomery to prove his value to the team and possibly Khalil Herbert as well. Um, on the defensive side, there's just so many holes, to be honest with you. I think guys like Nick Morrow have proven that they have a value on the team. The young guys have proven they have value on the team, and they just have to continue to do that. But the one thing they haven't been able to do is finish games. If they once again are in this at the end and they still don't finish, 
it's just you just throw your hands up. It's the one thing they have to learn how to do. 11 times this year, they have had an opportunity in the final six minutes of the game to tie or take the lead, and they haven't been able to do it. The only time they did it, Houston Texans. Right. Yeah, and you you think about it, too. Back to that Houston game, if the Bears don't come away with that pick at the end from Roquan Smith and the Texans march down the field – you're looking at the Bears as actually holding the the inside track to the number one overall pick because Houston has that tie, um, and that would completely change uh, how you're feeling maybe about this Bears team right now as maybe the team that has the the chance at that number one overall pick this year. But I, for me, what I want to see the rest of the way is I want to see Justin continue to build chemistry with some of these receivers, and it's going to be tough to do this week. Because no Chase Claypool, obviously no Darnell Mooney the rest of the season. Who knows when we're going to see Claypool back in the lineup with the Bears. Um, but there's still some pieces on this team that I think Justin is trying to build with. When you look at Cole Komet, I mean, Cole Komet, at the beginning of the season, it, it looked like we may have had a lost cause at tight end. But all of a sudden, we've seen him start to produce and get a little more comfortable with Justin. Um Nikhil Harry's another guy. We saw the the deep ball with him a couple weeks ago. Um, we haven't seen much of him since then. But this is a guy that I think, he, he, sure you you um, you you traded for him, but you didn't really give anything up. A conditional seventh round pick. I'm looking at the. I'm looking at what he can build with with Harry as well, um, because that's a guy that is one of the reclamation projects on this team, and. If you can maybe find a diamond in the rough with Nikhil Harry, I think that's a good thing. I think one of the unfortunate things on the defensive side of the ball is the fact that you won't see Jack Sanborn for the rest of the season. And that was a guy who really came on, and that's one of the... You look at one of the the things that Ryan Poles has or hasn't done, he identified a potential linebacker of the future on this team. Oh, yeah, that goes without saying. He was uh, quite the revelation and he became like the backup quarterback, everybody's favorite. Everyone loved Jack Sanborn. I want to see Jack Sanborn play on a defense that's more talented. I want to see if he's able to rack up the same number of tackles. You know, he cleaned up a lot of tackles that guys were missing up front because his instincts are very good. Um, I don't really know about the wide receivers, to be honest with you. I think we're going to see such a new unit next year. I agree with you that Chase Claypool and Nikhil Harry, maybe Byron Pringle, okay. But I don't think any of them have proven anything. And I don't think Ryan Poles is a guy that is going to care much about if he has to give up on someone despite what they gave up to get them. So I think that there is still a way for these guys to prove that they can learn how to win. I don't know if it'll be this week against the Bills. I don't know if it's going to be the Lions or if it's going to be the Vikings. But they still need to prove that they know how to win. And, uh, Tyler, I just wanted to correct myself when we were talking about the ownership of the Bears. Mm -hmm. And thank you, Nicholas Bregenzer, on Twitter for correcting me. The McCaskies own just under 80% of the team. And it is Andy McKenna and Patrick Ryan that own like 19.7% between them. And that's the percentage that I don't know if they are able to sell. 
because they do have the right of first refusal. So it'll be interesting if they are able to sell that percentage to someone who is willing to invest more in the team once the Arlington Heights project gets underway. Yeah, it'll be uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, And by the way, this is actually just in um, Jalen Johnson has been placed on IR. So that will end his season. He was questionable for tomorrow. And now we're seeing that he is going to be on IR. I don't know how much throwing the uh, the Bills are going to do tomorrow, but we will not be seeing Jalen Johnson in pass coverage tomorrow. So that just in here, um, the Bears just tweeted that out. But that's yeah, that 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 was wow. that's one of those fundamental pieces, though. I I think you look at what he has done, even though you saw the big receiving total for AJ Brown, you saw Jalen Johnson. Um, win some of the, a lot of those one-on-one matchups against AJ Brown last week. Also, uh, Kendall Vildor was placed on IR as well. He will also miss the rest of the season. Oh, Yurko would hate it if he heard you say <laughs> that he played uh, AJ Brown good last week, giving up 181 yards or whatever mm-hmm. it was. But, he, but I agreed with you. I thought so too. I thought that he played him hard. He had a handful of um, passes deflected as well. I think he has earned his new contract. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be what he thinks he's worth, but I do think that it will be important for the Bears to re-sign guys on their roster now because it does send a good message for the few players that are actually going to be around next year. Yep. All right. We will cross-talk with Waddle and Meller coming up in two minutes here on ESPN 1000.